Let's turn to the Word of God. Genesis 22 is our Old Testament reading, our sermon text tonight. Genesis chapter 22. This is the Word of God. So let's give it all our attention now. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And then he said, Look, the fire and the wood... But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And your seed, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Indeed, Milcah has also has borne children to your brother Nahor. Haz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begot Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Rumah, also bore Teba, Gaham, Tahash, and Makah. And our New Testament reading, Galatians chapter 3, 1 through 14. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ 
was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law, as many are of, as are of the works of the law are under the law, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Thanks be to God for his word. Pray with me now. Gracious Lord, we pray that you would bless your word to us. Lord, that you would take your word and that you would make it penetrate into our hearts. Lord, that you would uh, take, uh, t- t- take ownership of our hearts. That you would do your almighty work in our hearts. The supernatural work of giving new life in Christ, which we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, we cry out to you for grace for this. We pray you'd work by your spirit, by your word now, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you ever think, uh, you know, it, it might be easier um, if I wasn't trying to follow Jesus. Uh, so, sometimes I'm in situations where I think the opposite. Uh, wow, I can't imagine trying to get through this without, without my Lord Jesus Christ. But then there are other times, uh, perhaps, where, where we do think to ourselves, you know, it's actually the fact that I am following Christ that's making this so painful and so hard right now. And the way of just doing what I want looks a lot easier. Um, Abraham's life, as we've looked at it over these uh, weeks together in Genesis, uh, in a sense, perhaps would have looked a lot easier for him if he had never answered God's call in Genesis 12. God says, come to this land I'm going to show you. If Abraham had to do that, right, he wouldn't have had his faith tested in all these ways. You wouldn't have had to uproot, go to a new land, go through all these, uh, the, the, these challenges and difficulties and all this waiting, right? This marathon of waiting for God to fulfill the promise to him. Um, his life here is what we see in the New, new Testament as the life of discipleship, isn't it? The life of following Christ, um, denying yourself, take up your cross, follow the Lord, right? This is what Abraham's been doing. Um, uh, uh, but... Um, uh, and there have been many hardships in it, but every test that has come in his life up to this point pales in comparison with the test we see here in Genesis 22. Um, this is the climax, right? This is the last great test of Abraham's uh, life to see if he's going to live by sight or if he's going to live by faith. 
Uh, and what, his, what this is all teaching us, loved ones, is that if we're, if we're going to live in covenant with God, if we're going to belong to Him and follow Christ, then it's not going to give us immunity from hard circumstances. Um, in fact, in a sense, it invites those things, right? Because the Lord disciplines those whom He loves. He teaches, He trains, He nurtures those whom He loves. He tests, in a sense, those whom He loves to stretch us, to challenge us. Uh, and to call us to rest on Him, uh, to, to not rest in ourselves, but to but to trust in Him and rest rest in Him. Um, this is what we see here in Genesis 22: that God tests His people; He puts them through the fire, but He also brings them through that by His grace. That the Lord Himself is the one who provides. The Lord intervenes, doesn't He? That He provides, He saves, that, that He brings us through that, those trials and those tests, but that He's there with us in them. Um, that He's not, he's not, he's not uh, putting us through what He's putting us through in order to laugh at us or, 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 or to watch us suffer, but, but He comes and He meets us in it, and He gives us grace in it, and He brings us through those tests to greater blessing and greater joy and greater peace than we could have had without them. Let's look at the text. Um, first heading here, God tests Abraham. We see the test given in, in the first two verses. Um, Abraham might have felt at this point in his life, all the big tests are behind him. Um, he, like, he's, he's arrived in a sense, right? He's, he waited so many years for his son to be born, uh, waiting, trusting. And finally, Isaac's here. Isaac's born, and, 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 and Abraham's been enjoying his son. His son's been growing up. Um, Abraham is, has a measure of security and peace now uh, as, as he's, uh, he's sort of entering retirement, right? He's lived the, good, the life of faith. He's fought the good fight, and now he's right, entering this, this last stage. The hardships are behind him, and he can enjoy his son. He can enjoy uh, his relatively secure place in the promised land. Um, but then Genesis 22, verse 1, a new test comes. One, one more test, and it's the hardest one Abraham has ever faced. Um, there's a clear echo here in the first two verses of, of chapter 22 with the first test of Abraham's faith, the, the call back in chapter 12, where God initially says, Abraham, uh, I'm going I'm to bless you. You're gonna, I want you to go to this, this land I'm going to show you. In, in both chapters, chapter 12, at the beginning of his life, chapter 22, towards the end now, uh, we see the, the, this test that God is giving. And in both chapters, in the first few verses, there's this echo uh, of the other. In chapter 12, God says to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And now he says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. You can hear the, the, the echo of the, the threefold things, right? Uh, leave your country, leave your family, leave your father's house, go to the land. And now he says, uh, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the place I'll show you to sacrifice him. Um, the first test was hard, but we're seeing that this, this is the great test, right? That was opening day. This is the World Series. This is it uh, for, for Abraham. This is the big one, uh, his toughest uh, test of faith yet. And what a test it is. Give up your son, Isaac. Um, sacrifice your own son to God. Um, this is agonizing for him, isn't it? Um, it's one thing to lose a child, of course. The, the, the grief of that, uh, um, the pain and loss of losing a child, say, in a, in a tragic accident. But God is asking Abraham to put his own hand to it. Right? 
to be responsible for it himself. Um, for, for Abraham to do this and then to look down at his own hand and know that his own hand put his own son to death. This is such a hard thing for God to ask him to do. It seems like an insane thing for God to ask him to do. He loves his son. And add to this the fact, brothers and sisters, that he has waited for this son for so long. Right? Years upon years of waiting for this child. Decades of waiting for this child. This is the child of promise. God, God said, I'm going to give you a son. He's going to be your son. He's going to be Sarah's son. And finally he comes. And, and, and then finally, um, the, the test God gives to, to kill this son. And so this, is, this seems utterly absurd, I'm sure. Um, um, Abraham is, is, is enjoying this, this relationship with his son, and now God comes and says that he's going to have to put him to death. How can God command him to do this? Isn't God righteous and holy and, and just and compassionate? How can the God who gives the Ten Commandments which, number six, you shall not murder. How can he say, uh, Abraham, um, sacrifice your son? Right? There, there is so much here that is baffling to us. Um, we, we know God is holy. We know he doesn't change. Um, we know that, uh, that he is not commanding sin. He's, he's not going to allow murder to take place. Um, that he's testing Abraham's heart. That he's within his rights to do that because he's God. But still, it's baffling to us. And it's supposed to be. This is the ultimate test of faith for Abraham. Um, it's the test of his loyalties. Um, and God, God is getting down to the very bottom layer of his heart. Um, will you love my gifts more than you love me, Abraham? Will, will, you, love, will you love what I give more than you love me? Um, uh, will you love uh, will you love your son Isaac more more than you love me? This this is the test of of, of loyalties. Will you, will you love a husband more than you love me? Will you love a wife more than you love me, or a child more than you love than you love the Lord? Uh, will, will you love what God gives you in Christ more than God Himself um, in, in Christ? You can hear the words of Christ echoing this, this same idea. Matthew ten thirty seven. Jesus says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. God is, God is applying this to, to Abraham. Are you going to submit to me and be loyal to me even though it costs you what you love most in the world? Um, th- this, is, this is what it means. Uh, to follow Christ. This is what it means to, 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 to be faithful to Him in the life of discipleship, loved ones. Um, this is what trusting God fully means. This is not an example of, well, that's for the super-Christian. That's the extraordinary faith. But this is basic uh, discipleship. Um, it, it's, uh, it has this very specific test here for Abraham in Genesis 22. And the Lord doesn't ask us to do this sort of thing. But at the fundamental level, we are called to the same kind of loyalty to him. Romans 12.1 Therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Get on the altar. All of you. Get all of yourself onto the altar before the Lord. You're his when you come to him, when you trust in Christ. Um, uh, you, you, you give up rights to yourself. You say, Lord, I'm yours. Uh, call me where you want me to go. 
command me what you want me to do, whatever you call me to do, and you command me to go, I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll, and I'll do. Um, there, there, there's no room in our heart that he doesn't get the key to that's off limits to him. He, he gets it all. Um, we're, not, we're not our own. We're bought with a price. Um, so our dreams are his. Our hopes, our plans, they belong to him. Our loved ones are his. Um, uh, those things that we love are his. All that we are is his. Are you, uh, does, it, does it scare you to pray, Lord, I'm on the altar, all of me. Uh, take whatever you will. Command whatever you will. Do with me whatever you will. It can be a frightening thing to our flesh to pray that. Um, maybe the Lord will ask more than I really want to give. Maybe he'll ask too much, something like he's asking Abraham. Um, but could he ask too much? He's your creator, he's your redeemer, your king, he's your savior, he's your friend. And he won't ask you to give up anything that he will not more than richly repay with himself. So this is the test that God gives Abraham, and it's the call that he calls all, us, all of us uh, to as disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing we see in the text is Abraham takes the test. God has given the test, now Abraham takes the test, and he passes. Um, verses 3 through 10 here, we see this. Um, Abraham responds with just incredible obedience and faith, doesn't he? Um, uh, I, I, you know he must have been in complete agony and turmoil, in, in a sense, because of what's going on. Like, his whole world's crashing down. Um, but, but through it all, his eyes are on the Lord. He remembers who God is through all of it. And um, uh, he, he, respond, he responds in faith. Look, look with me at a few things here um, about how Abraham responds to the test that God gives him. First, verse 3. Um, he starts early in the morning. Right, if I have something I don't want to do, uh, 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 some appointment I don't want to schedule, or, or some hard thing I, I don't want to do, I'm going to put it off. Right, I'll, I'll let the, oh, I'm too busy this week. Next week. Uh, next week. Right? But Abraham, early the next morning, he's up, going to obey. Um, saddles the donkey, splits the wood, gets the provisions, gets the two servants, gets his son, and he goes. Right? No dragging his feet. Doesn't hesitate to obey. The Lord calls, he follows. Is that how you obey? Lord, the Lord calls you to something, he commands you something in his word, and you do it. Early the next morning, you get up and you do it by his grace. Second, um, Abraham doesn't waver. So he starts right away, and then, and then he keeps on going. So if you look at the text here, um, verse 4 tells us the journey took three days. Must have been unsettling days for him, right? And his heart is he knows what he's going to have to do. Um, but he's, he's not wavering. He, he, he's uh, put his hand to the plow. He's not turning back. He's set his face like flint to go do what he's been called to do. Um, by, by the Lord. Um, and he doesn't stop. He gets to the mountain three days later. He takes the wood for the fire. He puts the wood on his son. Um, then they go up the mountain. Isaac says, verse 7, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Abraham doesn't break down crying and, and, and say, no, we can't do this. We're turning around. Um, he, he's, he says, God's going to provide. And they keep going up the mountain. Um, 
And he, he follows through to the, to, the, to the very end of this, of this test of obedience. He, he binds his son. He lays him on the wood on top of this altar that they've made. And he lifts up his hand. And, and he goes all the way to the, to the very full call of obedience. Um, everything that God has called him to do. It, it's it's um, amazing the perseverance that he shows here. Um, he won't turn aside from the path of obedience that God has laid out for him. Um, his faith doesn't waver. We could also look at the faith of Isaac here. This is sort of a, Abraham, is the test is for Abraham, and it's really his faith that's, that's in view. But of course, Isaac as well uh, is, is, uh, is complying with this, remarkably, by, by faith. And both of them together give, give us this wonderful picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, his commitment to obey his father, uh, God calls him to do something that's, that's, that seems like an impossible thing to do, right? Just the most brutal, painful thing imaginable. To go through hell for his people. Right? To take on the wrath of God for his people. Humiliation, condescension, go down, 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 down to the cross, down to the grave. But our Lord Jesus doesn't waver, right? For 33 years, or however many it was, he, he presses on following that call. He doesn't waver from it. It's a wonderful picture of that faith that we see here. Do you want a faith like that? A faith with that kind of um, resolve and commitment and conviction and perseverance? Um, right, with to, to have a, a spiritual backbone like that? Spiritual guts like, like that here that we see? What, what kind of foundation is so strong for Abraham that he's able to face this challenge so calmly and with so much trust? And so much resolve. We get two glimpses of, of the answer to that. Um, the first is in verse 5. Um, Abraham there tells the servants to wait at the bottom of the mountain. And he says to the servants, he says, The boy and I will go up the, and, and worship, and we will come back to you. We will come back to you. Abraham has this confidence that he is going to come back down the mountain with Isaac alive. Right? He's not just speaking empty words. He's not just trying to pull the wool over their eyes or, or over Isaac's eyes. We will come back to you. He means it. Um, he has this confidence that, that God is going to provide some kind of miracle here. Um, we see the same confidence in verse 8. After Isaac asks where the lamb for the sacrifice is, Abraham answers, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Abraham believes with all his heart that God is going to provide a, a sacrificial substitute in the place of Isaac. There's this unshakable foundation under Abraham's faith. And it's the character of God. And it's the promises of God. Hebrews 11.18 looks, looks at Abraham's faith here and it says, He considered that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham is able to go through with this kind of obedience because he knows God. He knows Him. He's, he, he's, he's seen Him. He's tasted and seen Him over these many years. Right? He's come to know that God is good, that God loves Him, that, that, that God is able to raise Isaac from the dead if He pleases. He knows that God has made these promises to him, that, that this is the son of promise. And God's not going to go back on that word. Abraham knows this beyond a shadow of a doubt. So much so that he's even able to follow through with this kind of obedience that he's being asked, uh, that's being asked of him here. 
So he's got his heart firmly fastened to who God is and the unchangeable character of God's promise. And so he's able to keep going, keep obeying. Loved ones, this is the, this is the only way we, could, we, can, we can follow this example of, of faithful obedience to the Lord. We, we, Abraham's not just pulling himself up at the bootstraps, firm jaw, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep going. You know, stubborn resolution. Right? It, 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 it's faith that's keeping him going. Faith in the Lord and who he is. Um, we can only follow this example if um, our hearts see what his heart saw and our hearts know what his heart knew, uh, which is the Lord. And so, loved ones, fix your attention on the Lord. Get to know the Lord. Get to know him more. Get to know him more deeply. Um, study him. Uh, learn all you can about him. Pursue growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Walk with him. Um, uh, uh, meditate on, on who he is, on his attributes, on his power, on his grace. Um, steady your heart in the promises that he has made for you. And, and pray that he would, he would impress on your heart who he is, what he's done, what he's promised to do, so that when the testing comes, you're able to persevere by faith in who he is. Third thing we see in the chapter, Abraham has passed the test. Now we see, third thing, God blesses Abraham, verses 11 through 19. Um, Abraham, Abraham is faithful. He obeys the Lord. Uh, no priority is more of a priority for him than the Lord. Um, how does the Lord respond? Uh, verse 11, Abraham has the knife raised. He's about to slaughter his son as he lies bound on the altar. But before the knife can fall, God interrupts. He says, uh, 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 do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The Lord responds with salvation, uh, with, 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 uh, with mercy, salvation, and kindness. But note something here. God doesn't just call off the sacrifice altogether. Um, he stops Abraham from going through with it, from killing his son as a sacrifice. But the sacrifice itself still has to happen. Um, right? God isn't saying, Abraham, uh, blood sacrifices aren't necessary. He's saying, no, there does have to be a sacrifice. But it's not going to be your son. Um, it's going to be a ram. Why does the sacrifice still have to happen? Because the point of the sacrifice itself is not to prove Abraham's faith. Um, giving up his son is a test of his faith to see where his heart's loyalties are. But the sacrifice itself is, is necessary for his relationship with the Lord to go on at all. Um, Everything that God has done for Abraham, the, the call, his grace to him, his, his blessings on him, the, the covenant relationship with him. God has forgiven his sins, been patient with his failings, um, um, promised this wonderful inheritance for him. What is all this resting on? God, God is holy. Abraham's a sinner. He was an idol worshiper in Ur before God ever called him. So what kind of relationship can God have with a sinner like this? How, how can God bless someone like this? God is just. Abraham is guilty. And so there has to be a sacrifice, atonement for sin. And in a sense, we could say Isaac deserves to be on the altar. 
because there has to be a sacrifice for sin. This point is brought out even more explicitly later in Israel's history. Um, during the exodus of, of, of Israel, as they leave Egypt, um, the final plague that comes in Egypt uh, is the death of the firstborn sons. God's, God sends this plague on Egypt that, that every firstborn is going to die. Um, justly. They deserve it for, for, uh, for their sin. Um, uh, the Israelites are not automatically spared from that. Right? They don't just get a free pass because they're Israelites. They've got to do something. They've got to have a sacrifice. Because their sons do deserve the wrath of God. They deserve the wrath of God too, just as much as the Egyptians do. So they've got to have someone take the place of their sons for this sacrifice. So God says, take a lamb and slaughter the lamb and put the lamb's blood on the lintel of the door so that the angel of death will pass over. Their, their lives are redeemed. They're bought by God through that for himself. Um, and and what, is, what is happening here with Abraham and Isaac is, is very similar. God is showing us that we need a substitute. Um, that, that the covenant doesn't rest on good works. The covenant doesn't rest on some impossible decision of God just to arbitrarily uh, look past our, our sin, but it rests on um, a bloody sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice. Abraham offers up the ram that God has provided uh, for this. And he says the name of this place is, is the Lord will provide. Um, and then he gives us, we're given this, this uh, proverbial saying in the verse there, verse 14, that on the mount of the Lord it will be provided. And this is the very place that later on in Israel's history the, the temple will be built. This is where God will provide. Right? He's going to give that sacrifice. Uh, um, he's going to have all those the, the priests and the blood of the Passover lambs year over year in the, the Day of Atonement. And, um, and God's going to provide for all this. But all of it, of course, is, is pointing forward to the atoning sacrifice to come, our Lord Jesus Christ, um, the only one who can take away our sin, the God-man, the truly innocent and righteous one. Um, the, the Lord himself is going to provide that for us. God the Father is going to give His Son, His only Son, whom He loves for the sake of His people. He's, he's, going, to, he's going to put His own Son, the Son of Promise, on the altar. And the knife is going to fall. It's a wonderful demonstration of the love of God for us that He would give His Son for sinners like us, to make wretches like us His treasure. And our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Lamb who would become the, the, the one who takes away the sin of the world, um, like Abraham and Isaac in this story here, um, he, he's going he's gonna to follow this path. He's not going to flinch or turn aside from this calling. Um, he's going to go on. He's going to submit himself to the will of God. And he's going to offer himself up as that sacrificial lamb for the sins of his, of his people so that we can be forgiven, our, our sins washed away. Um, that's what we're seeing, this, this wonderful picture of here in Genesis 22. So God forgives Abraham and Isaac and us because of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. But he doesn't stop with forgiveness. He blesses as well. He, he doesn't just say, I'll, I'll, I'll cancel your guilt and your sin. I'm also going to pour on blessing. And so we see, as we go on in the text here, 
that in verses 16 to 18, God blesses him richly. He repeats the promise he's made before about descendants. Verse 17, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. It's a promise that he's going to make him a great nation, that he's going to um, uh, uh, have, have Abraham have descendants more numerous than the stars of heaven. These aren't so much the physical descendants of Abraham as they are those who believe, who have faith in Christ. Uh, the elect of God from, from every nation. Um, God is promising this. And then he also promises him in verse 17 that not only will his, his descendants, spiritual descendants, be numerous, but they're going to be victorious. That their enemies won't prevail against them. That no enemy will stand, stand against them. Um, ultimately, this is a promise that, um, that this war that God began back in Genesis 3 uh, between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, that the seed of the woman will prevail. God's people will not ultimately uh, uh, be, be crushed and destroyed, but they will have the victory because of the power of God. That's what God is promising Abraham. And third, we see this promise that through Abraham's offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through the, through the one who will be born, right? our Lord Jesus Christ, the one through whom the gospel will go to the whole world and all the nations will be called in to the covenant of grace. Uh, and enjoy these, these blessings. There's a tremendous blessings that God is promising him here. Um, uh, he, he's promising him a, 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 this great spiritual people of God, this redeemed humanity. He, he's promising him uh, this, 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 this people of God that has victory over the world and sin and death. He's, he's promising him uh, this, uh, this people of God that is caught up into the very new creation that God is going to pour out his blessings upon. And all of it, Verse 18 says, because you obeyed my voice. By one man's obedience, salvation and blessings secured. Right? Abraham's obedience here, of course, is not, is not really the basis of this covenant blessing. Uh, it, it's pointing us forward to the mediator of the covenant, our Lord Jesus and his obedience as the basis on which every blessing of the covenant Rests and loved ones. That this is this is the fundamental. Right, this is the fundamental thing in this in this chapter. Not Abraham's remarkable model of faith, but God's provision, God's great provision, His His gracious blessing through the one He provided, even Christ Himself, to be the one obedient in our place, suffering in our place, paying the price of our sins, and securing for us by His obedience eternal covenant blessings. And that's the confidence that brought Abraham through this trial. And that's the confidence that will bring us through the trials that the Lord calls us through. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Our confidence rests on, on Him alone. My perseverance, your perseverance in faith rests on Him. Our salvation rests on Him. Forgiveness rests on Him. Blessing rests on Him. Eternal life rests on Him. So trust Him as you follow Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this wonderful picture of the Gospel and of the way that You provide for us so richly in our Lord Jesus Christ, that You give us everything in Him. Lord, we pray we would hold fast to Him and that You would be gracious to us and remain with us in every test You send us. Lord, keep us faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.